Welcome back to the show. We thank you for joining us. We want to bring in my next guest again, all-star lineup. He's a professor at the Graduate School of Political Management at George Washington University in D.C., amongst other things of his qualifications. Uh, he is Quadricus uh, B. Driscoll and, and professor, um, reverend, all the, the credentials that you have. Happy New Year to you again, sir. And thank you for your patience and thank you for coming on. Happy New Year to you too, LA, and to your the viewers and listeners. Absolutely. So uh, before I get to your article, which it, it was you know well written as always, um, and speaks to 2022, I wanted to get your thoughts on what the president said. This whole line they want to talk about, you know, they want to praise him on. Um, I was little you know, taking aback that he didn't really, he didn't really, I know it was a short time, but he didn't really go after people. He, he, you know, it was a Trump thing. And now we start seeing really to your point about how to win in terms of Democrats, um, how the, the strategy is maybe to throw Trump's name in there and his legacy and the chaos that happened a year ago. But what do you think about his speech and, and, and define where we are from when that happened uh, one year later? Yeah, those are most excellent questions, L.A. From I was actually on a work call when when the president and the vice president was speaking. But I will say from the little I did hear, uh, it, it sounded to me as if he was not mincing words. Uh, Biden, I think, declared Trump without actually saying and using his name as an enemy of American democracy, mm. which, of course, what we already knew. He just actually vocalized it without actually ever mentioning him by name. <laughs> I will say also, from what I did hear again, I didn't hear all of it, particularly the beginning parts. I don't think the president went far enough in terms of legislation, right? You know, right. I'm big on, on policy and legislation and, and Black folk and people in generally being involved and engaged. He mentioned voter suppression in the states, but he did not. Again, I repeat, he did not make a forceful commandment that, that Congress get rid of the filibuster and pass uh, the Freedom to Vote Act or the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, nor did he mention, uh, or maybe he did, but I, again, I may have missed it, but he wasn't forceful enough in mentioning police reform, criminal justice reform. Those are two highlights of this administration that they, quite frankly, promised as campaign promises, and they have had, they failed as of yet to deliver on those. And I'm concerned uh, that that will lead to a lack of voter fatigue, compassion fatigue when it comes to the midterm. But again, where are we in terms of the one year anniversary of the Eugene Goodman anniversary? Because it was a black man, of course, who saved America. Let's be very clear about that. Right. Um, we're in the same we're in the same predicament. We're in the same situation. F frankly, I think it's gotten worse. Uh, you have individuals, lawmakers, and even in my home state of Georgia, who are holding prayer vigils, prayer vigils for the insurrectionists, the white supremacists, the rioters who stormed the Capitol. So this this divide that we experienced, well, we we continue to experience, 
And I am not sure, as King said, where we go from here. I, but I mean, it, and, and, and Professor, really, if you look at it, you wrote an article about white liberalism and, and white, well, white nationalism, I would say. But, but to your point about bringing up King, remember when he was in jail, he was talking about the dangers of those so-called, quote-unquote, white partners in this struggle right. and how far they would go. Right. Like how far? So that's why, and I, I don't want to get into the debate with Joe Manchin, or the, but I mean, just the whole, how far are they going to go? If the Democrats have a slim margin, but they have a margin, the House and Senate, your president is Democrat, why can't John Lewis bill get passed? Why can't you do something with immigration? Why can't this $15 wage get done why these things these are all affecting people of color certainly you know poor whites and others but if 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 you're running it you know if nancy pelosi's telling people to stand down and do and stuff like that then that goes back to the great king and what he said like they're going to be liberal to a certain extent you're right. Uh, King, in his letter to Birmingham jail, said that, uh, you know, it, it, in paraphrasing how disappointed he was with white moderates, right? That it, it wasn't the white citizens council or the Ku Klux Klaner, but it was the white moderate who, you know, is more devoted to order than to justice. And and this, right. is, what, this is what currently, unfortunately, what we're seeing with regard to Senators Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema of Arizona. They're not being forceful enough, and they're they're and then when I say they, I, I'm specifically speaking of Majority Leader Charles Schumer, right? The president. They are whole handing Mansion and Cinema. They're going to have to amend the filibuster if they want voting rights in the if they're serious about voting rights in this country and criminal justice reform. That's the only way it's going to get accomplished. And the president in his speech, though I, I thought, again, from what I heard, was good, but he didn't go far enough in terms of pushing for voting rights and pushing for criminal justice reform. The things that he ran on. Right. right? When, like when it, both of these issues, I would right. add, are linked, directly linked to January 6th. Right. Because it, the January 6th on this anniversary is all a part of the big lie, the lie that somehow Trumpers and, and those of that ilk, you know, this election was stolen. So it, it's tied and they, and they want to suppress voting rights across the country and in certain states. In addition, you know, we know, of course, they, they stormed and rioted the Capitol. Well, that's, that's criminal justice when it did itself. So you're looking at two legislative issues that this administration and largely this Congress ran on and on right. this anniversary as things have gotten, I would add, increasingly worse. They're not being forceful in terms of forcing the hand of certain members of Congress to ensure that legislation passes. And, and that's so disappointing, especially when it, it, everybody's focus, um, Professor, on you know, 2022 Senate, House, governorships are up for grab. You know, it's a lot of things. And so I don't tell me why, before we get to the um, the way you think they can win, 
Tell me why they, I call it, and this is my words, cower down. You know, you got some uh, people who are running that want to throw Trump in there to think that if you throw Trump in there, you're going to get the votes and you win. Um, but they're not pushing forward. If if Republicans are not working with you, if Republicans are doing these different things, and even if you have some some Democrats that are not doing what, speak up and speak out. So why are they not doing that, knowing you got a slim margin, knowing how the polls look? And, you know, Democrats are poll crazy. They look at them polls and they go crazy. Um, why are they not doing that? You know, as I said, and this kind of gets to the heart of my article here, Democrats long have a problem with messaging. But the problem, I think, with the Democratic Party, generally speaking, is that they are more so, which is which is not necessarily a problem. It, it, it becomes a problem when it when it gets to governing. They're more so concerned about the effect of the whole. Republicans do a very good job on looking at the individual. Democrats do a very good job of looking at the whole. So what Democrats now have to do is pay attention to the individual and start messaging to the individuals and to specific communities and specifically to the base of the party that has gotten them elected, and frankly, that continues to keep them elected. And who is that? That is largely the African-American community, and that's largely other communities of color, and, and, and the few liberal rights that exist in certain blue states, New York and California, and the like. So they need to start talking individually to those specific groups about how these policies benefit them. But again, to this conversation, what they continue to do is now tell to those moderates within the party trying right. to be this sort of big tent party, which unfortunately, right, unfortunately, we have moved past the days where you had liberal Republicans and conservative Democrats. And, and, and real quick, real quick, too, just to follow up with that to, to, to you, uh, Professor, because uh, I, I mentioned this with another guest and I, I mentioned this to you. You know, the moderates are doing this doom and gloom thing. We don't do this. And, the you know, the liberals and the extreme liberals are going to hurt this. White, middle class, white, middle America white is not coming back to the Democrats. Those coal miners, and they're not coming back. Like, they're not coming back. So, <laughs> so, so, so why do these moderates, other than maybe some agenda, think that they can try to attract them. They're not. They they have long gone, in my opinion, and just looking at some numbers from there. Stop with the, you know, the Ohio and the, you know, those those rural areas in Ohio and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. They're not coming back. They're not. So So why do they do that? Because that's the Democrats haven't realized that they still think that they can find, um, you know, a a needle in a haystack. They they still think that the the Democratic Leadership Council uh, under Clinton, they still think that those moderates and those suburbans, those suburbanites, still exist. Most white independents in this country lean uh, right. Excuse me, center right, if anything. Um, the, the the era of the the Reagan Democrat is over. There is no such thing as a Reagan Democrat anymore. So to your point, white working class, 
has been lost to the Republican Party. And the moment the Democrats truly realize that, I think the better off they will be. But again, I will say, I think it's an unfortunate reality that, to your point, to this conversation, white working class, Rust Belt uh, right, has right. been permanently lost. But in the Democratic mindset, particularly in the in the party establishment, they still think they can win them over. And that, I just think that's then I can sell you the Brooklyn Bridge. You know, if that's if that's what you believe, then I'm going to make some money off you on the Brooklyn Bridge. I'm going to sell you it and you're going to buy it because that's that's what you're, you're, you're thinking. If you're just joining us, we're talking with uh, a Professor Clark Driscoll here on the Bass News Radio Show. So, uh, Professor, you had a, a very good article and it talks about Democrats can win in 2022. Here's how. Um, before you get to the strategy on it, um, you know, if, if from a Democratic standpoint, what type of Democrat do you want to win? Because that's what we're talking about. You, you're just talking about the moderates and and you got the ALC in, in, in New York and all the progressives and the Bernie Sanders and all those type of people there on one side. And you got the moderates and, and then you got the Joe Mansions and stuff like that. So if you're going to win because they won the strategy to win, but you got three different type of Democrats fighting the whole time, then how does that work? Does that even work? You know, L.A., you actually raise a very poignant question, one to which I have not actually thought about in terms of what type of Democrat uh, one needs to win. You know, generally, I think that the Democrats that they that need to win are those who understand that you have to be uh, progressive, uh, that you have to help to move this country truly forward, not socialism, one of the talking points of the Republican Party, but you truly have to be progressive in terms of helping to move the country forward, while not necessarily alienating those who are center right or flat out Republicans, but wanting to work with them. So you you need Democrats who are not like Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema, but you need Democrats like Senator Reverend Raphael Warnock. You need Democrats who understand where the country is and where the country is trying to go and, and who are trying to put forth sensible, logical, reasonable, legislation and policy that helps the less than, that helps the least of these. That's the type of Democrat you need. Those who are going to continue to advocate for uh, child poverty, those who are going to continue to look at infrastructure in this country, those who are going to continue to pay attention to small businesses, those who are going to continue to pay attention to the issue of voting rights and criminal justice reform in our country, those who are going to continue to look at a comprehensive approach to immigration, those who are going to continue to look at how do we ensure that companies like Meta, Facebook, and other social medias are regulated safely. You need Democrats like that. And it, but here's the, here's the thing. Here's the and you know the, the playing advocate here. So if you get um, the senator, the good senator um, from Georgia who you mentioned in your home your home state that takes on 
maybe not necessarily right now, at least the leadership, but the mindset of the party. And you have the the nationalism and the moderates, right? And Republicans who are very good at um, painting this doom and gloom and the boogeyman is coming type thing. Then uh, again, how does that, how do you even sustain that? Because even if it's an election in 2022 and, and Warlock, you know, that mindset wins, you still have the the mansions and all these old school guys. You still have the other side that's going to do the doom and gloom and they're coming to just take your guns and all that kind of stuff. How do you sustain that? Yeah, there has to be this intergenerational conversation amongst Democrats, because to your point, you have the establishment Democrats of which is pr pretty much leadership. So Steny Hoyer, Steny Hoyer from Maryland, Nancy Pelosi, James Clyburn from South Carolina. But then you have sort of these these young guns like Hakeem Jeffries and, and AOC and, and Cori Bush out of Missouri. And there seems to be this clash, right, this this intergenerational, multi-generational clash within our country, largely speaking, but within the Democratic Party specifically about certain ideas and progress. And, and to the earlier conversation, it is specifically those more established Democrats, those old guard Democrats who feel as though that the Reagan Democrat is somehow still alive, that they can win the Rust Belt white working class of America. But then you have those like a Cori Bush, an AOC who are on the more progressive side who are really fighting for table kitchen issues that people go through every day trying to make ends meet. There has to be a conversation. And, and what that conversation looks like is ensuring that you have people like AOC and Cori Bush within leadership because clearly they are not. And right. so what's happening is that AOCs and the Cory Bushes of the world and, and the Elian Omars of the world, they're having to push the agenda and go often to extreme tactics to get the attention of the establishment Democrats. If you make those more progressive, younger Democrats a part of the leadership, whether it is within the Democratic National Committee, whether it is with Congress at or at the state level, then I, be, I believe you begin to forge that divide within the current Democratic Party. Let me ask you this real quick, um, because I want to make sure that people can find your article and read it. it, it very good strategy. Talk about, A, talk about the strategy in, in winning, number one. And then, but number two, what, what you said is pretty pretty profound because if if the leadership is Nancy Pelosi stand down we're not going to go after Bush and all that and and you know let Trump whatever and ride off and and you got Biden who I've never I've said you know Biden he he's shaking hands with the the enemy and 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 I don't mean that in a light way I mean he you know, he, he talked so much about how he worked with everybody, even even those that were not in the best interest of people in color. And so you got all those different things going on. So if you have the, the minority leadership of an AOC or a warlock or somebody like that, that um, 
you know, has a, a, a progressive, you know, helping people agenda and you have these, these moderates, then at the end of the, the day, when you, you look at what, what they're doing, it, it, it's really not one of those things where, um, the Democrats are putting themselves in a position to tell the story. And they don't. They don't tell the story. You have I've read articles today, Professor, that you know, Stacey Abrams, Stacey Abrams in your own state stole votes. Now she got her election stolen, in my opinion. Now mm-hmm. they say, I say argue, you know, in one of those conservative groups. She stole votes to help Warlock get elected, and also, I mean, so it, it there's a there's a, a a place where they're arguing. People argue. I get it, and you got to figure that out. But there's a narrative out there that Democrats are not taking advantage of, or even talking about. Like they're just not doing anything. It, it's almost like 2022. They just, you know. It's a done deal. We're gonna win, so they don't have to work. And 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 and, the, and meanwhile, the other side is playing chess. They playing checkers. Republicans are playing ch- chess. So what what say you about um, those things you can do to win? And then those things when you see and hear and look at and read about where they're just not engaged at all. I mean, I mean, I don't even know another word, Professor. That they're not engaged. They're not engaged no, at all. No, you're absolutely right. Democrats are, are not engaged. One of the reasons what what made Stacey Abrams, I think, so uh, prolific in her race uh, as as a black woman in a state like Georgia against Brian Kemp, who frankly stole the election, uh, was that she was engaged. She was engaged with rural and and poor communities in Georgia. She was engaged with the Hispanic and Latino community in Georgia. She was engaged with Black communities in Georgia. So she was engaged. I think her campaign, which is why people are excited about her race again at running for the, the gubernatorial race in Georgia, is because she actually was engaged. I think she's a model for a lot of Democrats to follow. Democrats have a messaging problem, and they always have, and Republicans have always played chess, right? There are spe- three three specific pieces of legislation that the Democrats could very well tout about what they have done and how it directly impacts the average American. The child tax credit alone which of course has insured upwards to $3,600 for each child. I mean, that you're, you're talking about raising a child out of poverty. Well, the child tax credit alone is one. The Infrastructure and Investment Jobs Act that, that was passed, uh, making much needed improvement to marginalized communities, particularly around the access of broadband, which we know was an issue, particularly during the heart of the pandemic, was a win. Democrats aren't communicating that, and they're not communicating about how things like the Investment and the Jobs Act and the Child Tax Credit affects your child, how it affects your household. And in order to communicate that, you have to be engaged 
with communities. And again, Democrats are not. And that is the problem. That is how they could win. So perhaps the, the title of my article is a bit hyperbolic because they're not doing those things. And if they were doing those things, they would be on a path forward. You and I both see how Republicans have communicated and changed the narrative about critical race theory, how they have changed the narrative about laws, how they, have, how they have changed the narrative about the president's Build Back Better plan, and they just label it socialism, right? Republicans do a very good job at messaging to their constituency. They do a very good job of changing and spinning the narrative to fit their constituents. Democrats need to do the same thing. But the reality is Democrats don't have to necessarily spin because sometimes the policies that they enact actually do benefit the American people. They just do a very poor job of communicating how it directly and individually affects the American people, their children and their families. And you know, the one thing I respect, I, I got my next guest online, uh, Professor, that the one thing I respect about you is that um, Republican and Democrat, um, from where from where you were and where you are and where you are now, is that you are all about the black. Like you, 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 you understand the concerns and the plight um, of what's going on, and not only that, um, you have a strategy. So my last question, and I know my guests online, Hoove and, and T, but my last question to you is sort of twofold. So number one, you know, if, if, if that's where you are in terms of making sure that we have an understanding and awareness of the blackness, you know, um, if your strategy, and I want to make sure that people can find your article and, and talk about the strategy, the strategy is definitely to to win um, Democrats. Then, if, if if that's the case, what what part of that is about helping people of color? Because you know, I mean, let's. Just, I, I'm I'm not anti anything, but I look like you, right? So so we you know so that that's what it's about. So. So what is the strategy to pull people? I mean, th this whole this whole notion, uh, uh, this this bill that's not being uh, uh, passed in terms of police brutality and and fifteen dollars is not a lot of money. Fifteen dollars an hour is not a lot of money, man. And and we can't get that passed. So what are we doing? What are you doing? What do you want them to do in the strategy of helping people of color specifically right now, right, to 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 get people elected that are going to help those agendas? Yeah, right. Very simply, LA, it's about engagement. Every Democratic operative, strategist, politician, they a needs to stay on message and communicate about, to your point, how this Build Back Better plan, which will invest three billion dollars in capital access to small employers, entrepreneurs, small business owners, which are largely people of color, right? Uh, how they how it's going to diversify and create equity within small business investment companies. How it's going to ensure 
access to Medicare coverage, which affects my grandmother, right? So all of these things in, in the Build Back Better program, specifically that they can communicate and they have to do that to, they, in order to communicate, they have to be engaged. And that's what they're not doing. So it, it boils down simply to engagement with various communities, particularly black and brown people and poor people in this country and communicating how those wins or the legislation is going to help them. Because so often in Washington, we talk in these very circular, in the clouds at a very high level. Dumbed, not dumb it down, excuse me, but bring that down to where people can understand how this will help me. Republicans, again, do a very good job at that, right? And I think the only saving grace that Republicans might have is the Supreme Court ruling come July of this year with regard to abortion per the Mississippi law. I think that if the Supreme Court of these United States was going, is going to overturn Roe v. Wade, I think then we will see perhaps a massive swelling, ground swelling of people going to the polls that would ultimately, I think, save Democrats. But I, I, that doesn't happen. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I hate to be the, you know, the half glass full guy and the, the pessimistic guy. I mean, but, you know, I grew up in Connecticut, a professor, as you know, and, um, and Tino, and, you know, they, they, you know, they, they kill babies in the suburbs of Connecticut. You, you killing babies with the guns and, and that didn't change. So we'll see. I mean, it, you know. Uh, d d you know that that's uh well you you raise a very good point <laughs> and, and, <laughs> you know, they were, and they were white babies that they killed right them. I mean really and babies are bad I love you know kids have nothing to do with it so I'm I'm not saying that I'm just saying like if they didn't change it for the suburbs of Connecticut man then what are we doing with all this other stuff that I think that's Really, would it real quick? Where can people find the article so they can pull it up and and see the strategies that you're talking about? Sure. So the the title of the article is "Democrats Can Win in 2022." Here's how you can follow me Twitter at Q underscore Driscoll four. Professor, listen, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate your insight and and your wisdom, and I know, like I said, on the spiritual side too. Thank you so much. You be safe. I will talk with you next week again. Happy New Year to you, and uh, uh, thanks for coming on. Same to you, L.A. Yes, sir. Take yes, care. Bye-bye.